and welcome to pod nine of our second series powered by the lovely people at netball uk now as always i'm joined by the glorious sarah and mags so what have you been up to recently what have you done since last week give us one thing you're proud of one thing you're proud of girls oh uh i made my daughter uh nigella lawson death by chocolate cake <gasps> Oh. Max, when lockdown's over, you've got to make this for a Netball Nation I episode, will bring it. please. I will, I promise. Yeah, right. Very impressed. What about you, Sarah? You bought some time there with Max telling us. I know. It's a good job. I've not done anything. <laughs> Jigsaws? Uh, not, uh, no, I'm going to start a new jigsaw, though. But okay. I've done, I've done a bit of baking. I've done a bit of baking. <gasps> Sarah? What yeah, you some cho- chocolate chip cookies, Ooh. some tea loaf. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to make a Victoria sandwich for the VE day on Friday. Oh, great shout. Nice. I'm very impressed, girls. You inspired me. I might need to go and get me uh, baking a packet out. Uh, right then, before we start this week's show, we've got something pretty special to share with you. To keep your team netball and with Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK and supported by ASICS, we are giving you the chance to win a pair of ASICS professional double F black netball trainers for you and every single member of your team so that when you're finally back together you'll be wearing shoes that let you be the best you can be on court and we're even going to add print id to every pair so you don't get them mixed up to enter all you've got to do is go to www.keepnetballing.uk where you can read all the t's and c's a good little prize that isn't it mags and sarah did you know what that's not bad i think sarah and i would be able to critique them a little bit better if we had a pair of them on our own feet (laughs) but that's that's sarah Sarah, what size are you yeah i'd be able to give an honest opinion then i'm a size eight (laughs) yeah two two size eights perfect (laughs) right if we if we get them delivered for next week's show you can show them off on your screens okay get your feet in yeah Okay. <laughs> now on today's show we've got a special guest uh, a lot of you will have heard of if you follow Super League Netball and on top of that plenty of high class chat from Sarah and Mags of course. Firstly Super Netball the world's top netball league was due to return at the weekend. We'll discuss what's happening in Australia and also New Zealand where the ANZ league is based as we wait for netball to return to us. But before all that we've got plenty to discuss with today's very special guest Caroline Barker. This is netball. Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK, your one-stop shop for everything netball. Now, this is very exciting. This girl's used to be the one asking the questions, but today we are going to be grilling her on her career so far, what she thinks about the state of the world of sports amid this global pandemic, and of course, what it's like working with Sarah, because that's what we all want to know, don't we girls, eh? Uh, Now then, please, I think this deserves a round of applause, please give a very warm welcome to Caroline Barker, netball commentator for Sky Sports and BBC Sport, uh, squeezes in presented for a football show uh interview sports stars all over the world and she managed to make it here on netball nation today so thank you caroline she'll yeah, do I anything for anyone apparently yeah. <laughs> what's that says she'll do anything for anyone <laughs> i can <laughs> hang up you know do you know what caroline we appreciate you joining us because in amongst all this madness you seem to be one of the only people who's busier than normal yeah well i don't know i am getting a sleep in at night which i don't normally have time for so that's good how many hours sleep yeah depends depends i like to time it for different days of the week you know at the weekend you like to go a little bit even though you're doing exactly the same thing right? yeah <laughs> 
you've got to go a little bit different. So I, I try to only give myself three and a half hours sleep at the weekend. Just to replicate those, <laughs> those, those wild Bad Saturday nights. With you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what, actually, on that, girls, while, while we've got you, do you find that you still do feel like it's the weekend or are all days merging into one for you? Because I still get the weekend tingle. I no, get a Friday that Friday feeling where you go. All right, it's the weekend. It's the weekend. I was I'm... avoiding asking her that, Caroline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get the excitement of a Friday, and then the weekend's a bit of a damp squib. I think because like work and everything stops at the weekend, I'm almost a little bit like there's no nothing to give me a schedule, so I'm mm. a little bit mopey at the weekend sometimes. So you get a Friday high, and then I get a Friday high, and then Saturday Sunday's a bit. What, what about you, Mags? I just get a Sunday low. I don't get that tingle like you get on a Friday or a Saturday, whatever that tingle may be. But when Sunday comes around and you realise it's Sunday, it's like, oh, God, tomorrow's Monday. But I'm not yeah. even doing anything That's on Sunday. The Sunday night blues without anything to do on a Monday. Yeah. How is that a thing? Um, but, but Caroline, uh, thank you so much for joining us, like I say. But what have you been up to? Tell us what life has been like for you during this pandemic. Oh, you want to see how many things I've decorated. <laughs> I thought about, my sofa's there and I'm not entirely sure, it's bright yellow, my sofa. And wow. I did at one stage contemplate painting it. I wondered how that would work out, uh, but I didn't. Painting the sofa? Yeah. As opposed to reupholstering. Yeah, draw some cushions on, draw some cushions oh, on. Oh, well, 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 reupholstering, have you tried to make scrubs for the NHS? You can't get material for less than money. <laughs> Every other day, my mum's on the phone to me. Have you managed to get material yet? I sent her some Dylon so she could dye it because you can do sheets with it as long as it's... I'm, I've been through all of this. As long as it's thick enough cotton and good enough quality cotton, you can dye it. So she, she didn't want to give them pink sheets. She wanted to dye them uh, the blue of the normal scrubs. And of course, oh. they've come out purple, haven't they? They've come out oh. like the colour of this ball behind oh, me. That's a, it's, to be fair, it's a nice colour. It is. It could have come out worse colours. And, this is my, and now uh, your mum's having to sleep in a sleeping bag. Yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with that sleep below the stars or something like that i love uh, this so, five minutes in and we're getting diy tips from caroline barker this is oh, great i have made a table uh, i made Ooh. a bike shed at the weekend really have you got a bike yeah, i did yeah <laughs> that could come I just went down to the train station, uh, put up some racking, <laughs> and then nipped off. People forever nicking bikes, I just put them back in. So I made a bike shed. Uh, what else have I done? I've painted every fence possible. I put up some trellis. Yeah, yeah, I'm bored. Girls, how unproductive do we all feel right now? Also, where does Caroline live? Like, are you the good life? You've got trellis and fence and bike sheds. And Second day in, I tried to buy chickens. Couldn't get them for love nor money. Yeah, well, they, have they been locked down with COVID as well? Yeah, they have. They have. Oh. No, so, no, they haven't. It's because there was, a, <laughs> uh, there was a shortage of eggs, wasn't there? So everyone went out and bought everyone. Bought chickens. Chickens. It didn't strike me that I didn't have a coop to put them in. I thought I could build <laughs> well, you that. You could have yeah. knocked one up in a day, couldn't you, at this yeah. rate? Yeah. Oh, it did. It took me a while. The bike shed took me six hours but <laughs> oh. I think that's really fast Six well, I think that's good well. I mean it took me like about a year of DT to make a pointless wooden box <laughs> <laughs> so. still got it have you still got it yeah I, pay, got I painted it I mean shoulder. pride and joy glitter and everything <laughs> um and Caroline aside from DIY oh yeah um, sorry what what kind of <laughs> what kind of work stuff have you been getting up to during this pandemic 
I'm just going to inappropriately leave that netball there so you think that I'm actually athletic. <laughs> rid of that for the moment. Uh, Workwise has been as busy. So right from the very start, as Sarah will remember way back when in maybe February, was it, when we did the off the court with you, uh, we decided to, to get on Zoom, to get on technology and, and just keep off the court going. Because as all of you will know, hence the fact that you've kept Netball Nation going, well done to you lot, is that you've... For, for netball to continue, you've got to create that conversation and you have to keep that conversation going. So chatting to Tamsin and, and Sky, we decided that we just keep trying to do it and hopefully people would, would be all right initially with how rough and ready, and still rough and ready, uh, it all looks. Um, and, and just accept that and think, actually, if, I, if I'm getting good chat, download that I can do that, conversations, update with, with all the news that's happening. And yeah, it might be not wrapped in the perfect box, which I think has got better as we've gone along. Mm. So we try to do that, keep that going. Uh, World Service, I still do a show on a Saturday morning on the World Service. And every so often I sneak some netball in. Don't tell anyone. Oh, like, oh, have you seen this story? Oh, there's this really good story. Yeah, it's netball again. So we'll get netball <laughs> on. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that and... I start properly with Sky again in July, so it'll all ramp up then. But yeah, National League board meetings, other shows that we've been doing. So it's busy. It's busy. And, and how are you finding that transition from studio to, albeit a very lovely home that you've worked very hard on, um, how, how are you finding that difference in broadcasting from different areas? I think it's more relaxed. I don't know if you all feel this too, but... I, that, that familiarity that you all have in the studio anyway is there, right? Because clearly you, you like each other or at least tolerate each other on occasions. And that <laughs> comes across. And for me, that's what's been the advantage is as soon as people are in their homes, they just relax a bit more. I mean, we don't want to see them lying full back, scratching their bellies and... Sarah. No, well, <laughs> say. <laughs> no, it's very nice to see you up at this time of day. What time is it? Um, <laughs> I, I think there is a, a much more relaxed feeling to everything. And we get an insight that we wouldn't normally yeah. have. And people haven't got that excuse of, oh, I'm really busy. I can't do it because they're doing nothing. <laughs> nothing. So they I was, was going to say, have you found that people more, more willing to talk and more willing to kind of open up as well during this time? Yeah, well, maybe it's... A lot of them we've been doing with the video as well. So they can't do the, mm-hmm, I don't know, ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> as they probably normally do to me on the radio. But yeah, they ab- absolutely will. And also I think it's, it's the combinations. Again, the joy of what you've got is that you all love netball. And uh, Max, when I see you and Sarah in particular giving each other niggle, you know it comes from a good place. <laughs> absolutely. You? you know that wind we up love the is genuine. <laughs> exactly. And you're seeing that because I think you're getting couple of footballers on together or a couple of managers or different sports they're the ones that I've really loved when you've seen other sports interacting so there's been quite a few that I've seen the BBC do with women's sports and get a number of um, I make Joe Curry who's their their women's sports reporter has got a load of uh, different women from different sports together and just we're all going through similar stuff aren't we whether we play sport talk about sport uh, whether we do whatever job it might be in life, we're all going through this because we're all locked down together. We're not all locked down together. They're just going to pop out. <laughs> <right there>. <laughs> <laughs> so we're experiencing the same thing. And when you've got that that joint experience, then you'll share and you'll talk about it, and it, it all becomes that family together. 
I think that's really true. And I think um, for a lot of listeners as well, still being able to have that familiarity of hearing you and, and giving them some sort of structure to their week has been great. I know a few people have been in touch with Netball Nation, in particular we had a nurse get in touch to say it was kind of a comfort and she really enjoyed listening to it on her way into work. So Max and Sarah, obviously we've been doing it from our homes. I've not asked you girls, how have you found this, the difference between broadcasting from a studio to home? I well, it's just I mean, like Caroline. Sorry, go, go ahead, Sarah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, up until this week, it was the same because I was barely dressed and you know, <laughs> hadn't washed for a few days. Oh, up like up until this week? <laughs> I, I had a shower today. <laughs> um, for me. Caroline, <laughs> just for you. Um, but no, I think it's actually... Um, it's not, I think, I thought it was going to be really difficult because you can't, like, well, you, we couldn't see each other until, until we've done this week. Um, and I thought that would be harder, but it's actually just been really nice. And I think it, it is a little bit like, oh, going to ch- check in for a chat with the girls at this time. So it's, it's nice to, to see everyone and chat to everyone. It is nice, isn't it, Max? I absolutely love it because I'm sat here a bit, for those who are old enough to remember Kenny Everett, I'm kind of like, you can see this bit at the top that looks all sporty and what have you, but then below there's like suspenders and high heels. Oh, you better um, show us. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 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 By stark contrast, I've got my pyjamas on. <laughs> oh, but no, in all seriousness, no, it is, it's lovely because it is within the comfort of your own home. You've not had to battle through the blooming motorways. I mean, the M62 for me is like a, a car park trying to get anywhere from one place to the other. And it is, it's that, kind of thing you look forward to it it's that chat with with friends over yeah over the radio closest, and now thing, on screen. closest thing to normality at the minute really, isn't it? And obviously we know if anything uh, if there's been any lessons learned it's that health uh, is a priority that's definitely what we've learned the last few months but um, for people like us who work in sport we know it's a huge part of it and we want it back selfishly maybe but we want sport back um Caroline, what do you make of the world of sport as a whole at the minute? Do you think it should return in the summer? Because we're hearing a lot of talk from people. It's kind of divided, isn't it? Uh, it can only come back when it's safe, right? The first and foremost. But there's been a couple of interesting articles in the Telegraph, uh, obviously Rebecca Meyer's piece as well. I don't know if you, you've all seen it, about whether women's sport should come back first. So actually that moment, momentum that we saw from, not to mention we were at the Commonwealth Games, but when we were in <laughs> Australia and netball just going, exploding off that, off that point, why should that be lost? And actually, is there, is there a moment where netball, which can condense so well, I know it's, it's kind of knackered your knees when you've been playing, the, the amount of back-to-back-to-back-to-back netball, but you can do it. It's done in tournament situations. Yeah. So is there a way of condensing the league? And is there a way of bringing netball or women's sport back and really celebrating all that we we see premier league you you get the feeling it's going to happen and then the knock-on effect is if the premier league completes then the efl will look to will they have to complete because of promotion relegation with the national league will it knock on all the way through but i think the efl in the past couple of hours have talked about the fact that it's got to happen by july the 31st the league's got to complete so I, I think maybe everyone's got to give it up now and just say, look, it's going to be the new year when we're all safe and going. No one knows. Everyone loves to cling on to a bit of hope. We love having something to talk about, even though we could probably find whatever to talk about. But it's got to be safe. And if you're taking people away from the front line, if you're putting anyone's safety in any doubt at all, 
then you can't do it. As much as we want to see it, you know, perhaps we've got to give the world what they want, which is Sarah Mag's duetting every week. Maybe that's what, <laughs> what the world Finally, wants. yes. <laughs> I pick your tune. <laughs> hey, I'm not letting you get away with that. That's happening at the end of this podcast, girls. Get your thinking caps on. What are you going to sing? Yeah. I um, think... I think the worry around the Premier League, like one is like the players as well. I think that they might have a little bit of a, a problem getting the players back at the yeah. minute. Like they're, they're aware that they'd be putting themselves at risk. But I think the Premier League culturally in this country is such a big deal and such a part of normal life that if that goes back, how do you then stop people just going to the park to play football? Like people then assume that life's a little bit more than normal. And everything to do with watching football, people go to the pub with the mates and have some drinks. People go to games and, and so meet up with everyone and have a chat. Like the, the whole culture around that is basically saying it's okay now. Mm. And I think that's a really dangerous thing with something like the Premier League. Like there's a lot, and lot, a lot of money involved. We know that. But you, you're kind of sending a message that's wider than sport, I think, by going back with something that big. And Sarah, is the driver then not about the, the lack of sport, but about the finances then? Because that seems to be the, the underlying word that's not spoken about, that it's money. It's all the money that's being lost. Because let's be right, it's sport, but it's also a business. And people are losing money hand over fist through this business. Are they then prepared to put people's health at risk as a consequence of coining in? Well, yeah, I mean, Premier League are probably losing more in about an hour than the Super League losing. Than we'll in their lifetime. Full eh? stop yeah. for the year. So, it, it, I mean, it's huge amounts of money, but it, it, I think like Caroline said, you've got to do it for the right reasons. Actually, yeah. I love the idea of women's sport coming back first. How fab like, would that be? Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's likely? No. No. <laughs> Me neither. I, again, it's about actually where does women's sport want to position itself? And I know that I've seen Matcham over the past couple of days announce that they're going to be re-showing some of their tournaments. So from, from darts to fast five to, to whatever it might be, they're going to start showing them on their, on their channels. And what they have done with fast five is try and condense sport. And we've seen it, it can work, right? So does netball think, okay, we're going to have this showcase weekend. Um, if the Premier League does come back, nothing else is going to come back around it you feel because how can it how can it to at least january so we've got to be thinking what happens day one so when the switch goes on day one and the government says you can go back you can have crowds in how's that going to look so i, I would hope that england netball uh, the super league at the moment are sat down thinking right the minute we get that go ahead what are we going to do we're going to be first off the block to say this is how we're going to react. So how are we engaging with fans, with players, with coaches, with clubs, with the media, with those that broadcast us to say, okay, here's our plan for day one. What does it look like? I was encouraged by hearing Liz Nicol over the past couple of interviews that, that she's done talking from the INF perspective that they are going to try and reshift the calendar and make it work on an international scale because that's got to happen. But there's got to be so many things put in place and we have to start thinking about them now. The problem is, as we all know, this is a sport built wonderfully on volunteers. So it's about putting an arm around everyone and saying, you're coming with us. At the same time, how can we make sure that everyone's safe, but that everyone has an input into how we look? If netball can harness that brilliant power in everyone that's there and bring in the momentum and talk to the broadcast partners and the rest of the media and say, this is what we're going to do day one. You're going to love it. 
then I think netball has a real opportunity to do it and fight in a space that's going to be a lot more open when we come out the other side. Do you think, though, Caroline, that it's likely that netball will be able to come out of this in a healthy way under the circumstances? We've all sat when there's been 10, 15 people watching the game. We've all been part of it when we've all helped create that game. And there's a huge spotlight on it. And that's what I mean about you've got to bring everyone along. You've got to get the views of Mags and Sari. You've got to get on the phone to Jade Clark. You've got to talk to the coaches, uh, talk to Debbie Hallis. You've got to talk to all these people, get them together and say, what is it we're all going to do together? Because the will is clearly there because netball has done it for year after year after year after year on their own. But now this light's on it. So I absolutely think netball can be in that better place because financially they've struggled. I don't know if um, you've seen the, the stories this week that actually there are players playing over in, in Australia who are actually on more money than they yeah. were. Yeah. 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 As a result. And so th- I would hope, given the shoestrings that clubs have worked on before, that they can be in that great place. Now, we've just got to give them enough structure around it to help them. Caroline, can you explain um, why, for anyone listening, <laughs> can you have a go, um, why they are on more money now as a result of being furloughed? It's to do with their, their government, their version of their government financial scheme that, that they've had. And I think there was a little bit of sponsorship put into that too. Similarly with the, the furlough situation, I don't want to speak for any players here in, in the UK. What's been brilliant is the upturn with the Players Association and seeing more of the players in the Super League sign up to that too in this collective responsibility. But you might have, I guess, some players that are being paid through their Super League club but are also being paid through their other work too. No one is going to be in a financially better situation in that respect. I think they're, they're saying nominally in what they're, they're earning because of money and funds that have come in. There might be some that are, again, in, in this country that have taken relief on, on mortgage situations, have taken on some of the, the government's money and support in that respect as well. But no one wants to be in this situation, do they? So it's now how we can come out the other side of it. And I hope I've politically dodged that. <laughs> how we can come out the other side of it and say, actually, we have been in situations like this before. Not this current situation, but financially, the pressure has been squeezed before. Mm. And now's a brilliant time to take on board the views of everyone and think about that, that day one and where you go from here. And also, I think when... when like we're talking about Liz Nickel one in an international calendar. Surely this is a massive opportunity. Like netball has been tipped on its head. Like seasons aren't going to finish. Some are going to start late, all the rest of it. Now's probably the time where you get everyone sat down and go, look, it's not ideal, but you guys can move things. So why don't we just thrash out an international calendar now and make it work for everyone? Because at the minute you... Well, traditionally, Australia dictated the international calendar and everyone kind of went along with it. Whereas now you've got great leagues in England and New Zealand. You've got South Africa becoming more of a dominant world force again. You've got Jamaica travelling to play more. Like you need, a, you need a calendar that, that can work for everyone. And I think Liz Nicol is absolutely right in prioritising that. And, and now is actually probably quite a good time to do it. And what about the other, the obvious knockback as well would be the likes of you being a Super League coach, Sarah, having international players within your squad, 
do you think there would be the capacity for them to rework the calendar so there wasn't a massive impact on coaches losing their players midway through a season? Yeah, and, that, and that's what they've got to do. Like they've they've got to make it work. Like it's it's never going to be ideal, like for for everyone, but you've got to make it work as best you can. And there's got to be give and take from different people, whether that's the Suncorp League, Super League, the ANZ in in New Zealand, being slightly flexible on where you place your league because you know where your international windows are and they're set dates and that's when you're going to lose players and yeah. not this kind of that we yeah. have at the minute where you have international windows and then one team goes now we're going to play an extra test series and and players are all over the place so I, I think that there's definitely opportunity to make it work better for for players for coaches and and for international teams yeah, well, well, hopefully then that gives us some optimism to look forward to. But Caroline, while we've got you, let's chat about you specifically. Now we've covered this pandemic. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, talk us through, um, for anyone listening who's interested in your career path and where it started, just talk us through um, how you started out and how you got to where you are now in brief because you've had one heck of a career today. Uh, I'll be quick. I'm the last of <laughs> six kids, so when I wow. came out... I actually, my mum had a hysterectomy, so I was the only one of the six kids that didn't actually, you know, do oh, the full yeah. Monty. So, <laughs> particularly when you're sick, right? You want to come out the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Nowhere else in between. So, um, my eldest brother is actually, what, 18 years older than me? So, they had four kids. The fifth one was an accident. I tell him that all the time. Uh, so, I was born as the friend for the accident. So, <laughs> chat, 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 chat. But with a load of boys in the house, four, four brothers, and went along from the very first, I think maybe two or three. My mum was quite ill when she had me. I mean, you'd be if you came out six foot uh, straight away. So, she was quite ill. So she had to stay in hospital. So, my dad took me straight along. Uh, within the first couple of weeks to watch Chelmsford City play. So I was strapped to him with everyone around it. And from that moment, I fell in love. When a team grabs you by the heart and it squeezes it, it doesn't let you go. And that collective thing of sport, watching with your family, wanting to be with them, to interact, to have something to talk to them about, got me from that very first moment. I played netball to county level, again, just because I was so tall. It was a bit like I always used to win 400 metres uh, until the point at which they started catching up with my height. But, from, you know, I was a devil on that by the fact I could do three laps and they'd still be on the first half. So I used that to my advantage. That and the fact that, that the boys used to stick me in goal or put me in front of the wickets and just, like, throw balls at me and, and went to the hard school of Knox with them growing up. Chatting, 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 chatting. I went to school in the local area and decided that I quite liked, they listened to BBC Essex all the time. So I thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll maybe go and volunteer. And at the time, my club, Chelmsford City, went kaput. And there was a guy called Jonathan Overend who was the sports reporter at Chelmsford City, uh, at BBC Essex. And he stood up at the meeting and said, it's all right. We'll do this, bang, 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 bang. And he organised and galvanised everyone. And, and again, I fell in love. I was like, oh, I want to be him. You <laughs> saved the club. You made my dad very happy. Uh, and that was probably, you know, pre-pubescent and my voice going up and down then. So I went, went to work at BBC Essex answering the phones, which I think is how Dermot O'Leary started also at BBC Essex, as I was always told. Brilliant sports department there. Did that all the way through uh, university. I was the early morning reporter, so I'd go out and report on the fact that uh, the mayor of Clacton was changing and they did this thing where they threw 
rock buns at him at five o'clock in the morning. So that would be me. The rock buns are coming. <laughs> was that just for spa? Or that was just no, a no, thing no. of being the mayor? Don't think that you are. You are. Is it not rock buns up and down the country? We'll, we'll have a game of that next time. Yorkshire puddings. Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, yeah. Totally rip you all of that. They don't I mean, show that on Towie, do they? <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. There you go. That's what the world's missing right now. A bit of rock bun throwing. It was something like that. It was five in the morning, so it could have been anything that I was going through. And I said, I quite like this. And they said, you're going to have to go uh, get your English degree and get your law qualifications if you want to do this. Went to do English. I started writing. I was a royal court young writer, so I used to write plays and things. And I had this at the end of university, an offer to go to Central St. Martins to do dramaturgy. So go and do, be a playwright, design, create plays, do everything around it. Or I was offered uh, a chance to go for the BBC and they paid for my qualification to go through. And I opted for the BBC because I was tight. Being the last of six, <laughs> hand-me-downs. This is my dad's jumper from 1950. <laughs> <laughs> so they paid for me to go and do my broadcast journalism qualification. Did that. Had an option at the end. I could go and work for a commercial station because I was working for Essex FM and BBC Essex. Or I could go the BBC route. Went the BBC route. Freelance, uh, was working at BBC London, fantastic patch, got to do amazing things, follow Chelsea into Europe, do everything, a little bit of everything, and really loved it. They loved the fact that I knew football. Uh, when Jackie Oatley did her first broadcast commentary, they went and sat me next to her, so it looked like BBC London were, were first with it too. <laughs> so I did that alongside <laughs> them. And it was just one of those fortune moments, I think, in that every time anyone said to me, do you want to do something? I said, yes. I took one year staff at the BBC. I've been freelance ever since, which means I've, I don't have to stay around in one place too often so I don't get found out and then I can just move on. And <laughs> apart from actually, uh, for the first time since I started, I am taking a staff, proper staff contract uh, in July. So I can't tell you what I'm doing yet, but Ooh, yeah, exciting. it's all, all going to go again. Um, um, and try and duck the, the employer. <laughs> um, we've all been there. Uh, Caroline, do you, do you feel like you're living your dream? Do you feel you fulfilled what you set out to do? There's only one thing I'm, I'm really missing, which is my daily dose of Sarah Bayman. That's... <laughs> oh, <laughs> I knew it. I, knew it. Is... I have her as my ringtone. So in the morning when I set my alarm, it goes, what just happened? What just happened? What just happened? Oh my God, that must get you up to turn that off. It's, it's the only alarm I need subtitles on. <laughs> Amazing. Of course I'm lucky. I'm I am blooming lucky. And you get to do wonderful things. And I've been to every major sporting event, which is fantastic. But the best thing is you get to talk to people and hear their stories and I talk back at them whether they want to hear it or not and that's what we get to do we get to tell brilliant stories so yeah lucky then you're, you're living proof that hard work and just being a good person will get you far but also um in in that industry you have to never stop learning or working do you what what does prep look like for you before you go and do anything what's oh. <laughs> I was, uh, in preparation for this, I was trying to find my notes we took to the Commonwealth Games. I have got a folder on every, uh, well, I, so I do them in raw form. So I write them down because that's how I feel like they go in, almost like tattooed. And what's that Harry Potter film when he makes her do, or she makes him do lines and they appear on the back of his hand? 
it's not oh. quite that sadistic go and watch that one kids um, <laughs> i feel that if i write them down they go in and then i take a photo of them and on my old uh, other devices are available but my device that i can annotate on two i have two different copies so i make sure that i've written it consumed it and it goes in and then everything else around that is finding the story so what's the nice flowery bits you can put on it what are the i try and get to a venue early that probably annoyed sarah a bit when we're in australia but you want to soak everything in you want to see that point that we were at dinner the night before with the with the aussies and the confidence there was revolting wasn't it yeah you know it really was bitter that meal <laughs> the meal after was brilliant but the night before, <laughs> it, and, and so it's you're trying to consume everything else around you so if you've done all that prep work you know the structure to everything if you like if you put your underwear on in the morning then you know you're ready to go and everything else is just the niceties around it so it's trying to consume then everything the little stories there's that the girl that was the program seller on the corner and you go and chat to her because she's, I know, eight or nine. And, and you say, Oh, how come you're here doing this? It's my, you know, Shani Layton's my idol or whatever it might be. And, and so I followed her and I wanted to come and be here. And then there was this opportunity to sell programs. And, and then you meet players that were program sellers at the first bit and you connect the dots and you've got that glorious story that comes around it where you think, whether I love netball or not, I'm going to engage in that moment because you've drawn me in on the story. And that content is king across anything. If you can make someone enjoy it when they don't give a fig about that sport, then you're a, you're a winner. Absolutely. And it's a lot to do with the humans that are involved. And uh, you got your notes out there, Caroline. Let's touch on that because, Sarah, I'm going to bring you in here. Um, talk, no, to no. talk to <laughs> us. Talk to us. Or... You just copy Caroline's notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, you two know each other well. Uh, you work together. What was it like specifically calling the Commonwealth Games final when England won gold? What was that like for you guys? I don't know what just happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. did, you, did you have any idea how popular that basically your commentary was going to become well, and no, how much it was going to get played? I think before we went on... Um, I can't even remember if it was one of the producers or we said to each other, I think Caroline probably said to me, well, don't worry because it's 4am so no one's going to watch anyway. And, <laughs> and so then I was like, oh, oh that's okay. That's not Relax. so bad. Yeah. And then obviously, lying. I know, I like lying through her teeth. And then <laughs> at the end, like, it, you know, 5.30am in the UK and my phone's like going absolutely mental with all these people who've just watched it. And I was like, all right yeah that, that actually was something really special and it was special in terms of like in the arena and you know England winning history being made all the rest of it it was special but I don't think um at the time we probably recognized how big it would be outside of that and at home for, for I mean it was always going to be big for English netball but immediately the response was massive and considering it was on the other side of the world that was a little bit of a oh yeah that that works. Did, did, you, um, did you plan any of it or not? You know, or was it just off the cuff emotion? That was how you felt there and then. If anyone's heard the extended version, which is where I try and miss <laughs> the players, they go, <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? I think, <laughs> all of you, all of you. <laughs> all those notes, you can't even think of the name. No, <laughs> they're in front of me doing backflips. We didn't know who it was. No, you can't, you can't. <laughs> Anyone who's listened to it knows we didn't plan it. You can't because the thing that you love about sport is it's that emotion of that moment, isn't it? So 
you could think, oh, maybe I'll say this, and you'll know in your back of the mind that that that's not been done before, Ooh. or um, that's like Jay Clark when she came on for a what a moment. So in all of it, that gets lost. She comes on for a hundred and fiftieth cap, and you in in that moment as well. She go, oh, how special is is that? And then all of those things that that add up to it. You can't, it's just what's in front of you. And it was bizarre because we we just got in a bus afterwards. You had to go, didn't you? Didn't yeah, you? I flew out that night. Yeah. So, wow. We, we literally, we got on a bus and all the Aussie commentators were on the bus with us. And to be fair, they, they were pretty gracious considering they're Australian. Um, <laughs> and Sherelle McMahon and people like that, it, it was sort of like a, a bus full of Australian legends who were all yeah. actually really pleased for England um, as much as they could be. So we got on this, we just got on this bus and sort of went back to, to Gold Coast, didn't we? And, and it was just weird. It was like that massive things just happened. Everyone's lost their mind. And then we just get on a bus and go, right, what's everyone doing for dinner? It's bizarre because they, like, we always stand up when we do commentary, but the Australians always sit down. And it felt at the end like we were 10 feet tall, didn't it? Right. And, yeah. that far, and we looked across, both of us. There was a point, I remember, we looked across and they were just sat there. And it was like, you know, when you have a really sodgy Sunday roast <laughs> and they're just there, aren't they? There's uh, <laughs> nothing. There's nothing, was there? Was there any banter between yourselves and the Australian commentary team prior to the game? Or are they pretty cool as well before, you know, you no, go flight? Well, like Caroline said, the night before we went for dinner and they would have all put the house on Australia winning without a blink of an eye. Like there was no banter because there was just nothing to discuss. It oh. was just like, okay, so how many are Australia winning by? That was the question. Right. Wow. Like how many, how many do Australia win by? Because they were so confident of Australia winning and, and how they'd gone through that tournament that it was just a matter of, is it going to be a blowout or is it going to be a good game? That right. was the kind of question. And so afterwards, there, there was obviously, you know, we had plenty more to say. Um, <laughs> but I think, to, and like I said, to be fair to them, they took it pretty well in terms of acknowledging that it was, prob it was definitely needed for netball. Like oh, Australia absolutely. winning everything all the time absolutely. and Australian New Zealand finals after 30 odd years, it's a little bit dull, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they were good fun. Yeah. And, and go on. Sorry, Caroline. No, they were just the whole tournament because I was there on my own until old Glory Hunter came in. For the <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was there with the, um, so the, the broadcast crew that then pump it out to the rest of the world. So the Aussies were, were handling that. So I'd, I'd spoken to them before, but I'd never met them in, in person. Just when you are that far away, they do their stuff. We do our stuff and never the two meet. So to, to have met them all, to be with Jenny Woods as well, that New Zealand commentator that, that, that was brought in. Because you have to remember, they thought it was gonna, going to be again, mm. Australia, New Zealand in the final. So she was there to do it for uh, Sky in New Zealand and they were going to do it for Australia and actually for the BBC to take a punt. And they listened to us and to Tracy Pinder, who's a, who's a brilliant producer at the BBC, when we said, you know what, I just think, I just think. And the BBC didn't have to invest in sending me out there. And they certainly didn't have to invest in, in Sarah. <laughs> certainly didn't have to waste that money. <laughs> I mean, um, but, but they did. And actually, 
there was a little bit of relief. I don't know if there was for you, Sarah. I went, oh, thank goodness I wasn't wrong. It's similar because at World Cup, because uh, at World Cup, I think it was the, a little bit the opposite in terms of everyone thought England were going to make the final. And when they didn't, like at the BBC, the BBC was scrambling around for a whole new opening montage. Like the, everything had been done for England to make the final. And, and that's a, like the, the other side of it. And when Caroline's talking about Jenny Woods, you know, her, her experience of Gold Coast would be completely different to ours because New Zealand came forth, were getting torn to shreds in the media. And she was kind of sent out to like, go and find this player and ask them why they're so bad. And it's like, wow. Um, so it, the experience is completely different depending on how the team do. And even though you're not there to, to support the team, it, it makes a difference because, you know, for the, those New Zealand players are coming into interviews like already upset, backs up, ready to, ready to defend themselves. Mm. Where you go and interview the England players after Commonwealth Games and they're like, ah! Um, but but for you caroline and sarah um because caroline i'm aware that you have got other work apart from us us three don't but you do (laughs) um if you could sum up that experience in one word what would it be caroline broken (laughs) (laughs) broken sarah have you got anything more to add to that or would you agree with broken Ooh. I was yeah, yeah, just do a noise. Yeah. Broken probably sums it up. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm really glad it had a great effect on you both. Um, the word you expected, is it, Emma? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking elated, excited, overjoyed, broken. Yeah. Yeah, of course, of course it was all those things. Of course it was all those things. But at the same time, you said what just happened. And we just looked at each other. What just happened? Yeah. Don't know. Don't know what happened. Uh, if I'd watched it back now, which I won't because I hate listening to myself, but if I watched it back now, uh, I think we had this conversation uh, whenever the anniversary was. See? When was that? A week ago? <laughs> Two weeks ago, it was in lockdown. And we haven't watched it back, but we probably should because I don't know what happened. <laughs> You're in that moment. And how wonderful just to lose yourself in yeah, anything, yeah, just to have lost yeah. yourself. Yeah, mercy Um Caroline, do you ever listen to yourself back? Uh, to, no. to give you Never? No. I, oh, I've sat in, you have to go and do appraisals, don't you? And they go mm. through everything. And I am so self-conscious. I, I'm a n- nervous person. Sarah will probably tell you, if I go into a, I have to really gene myself up to go into broadcasting, which you would think every, every Saturday morning when I do, and this isn't bragging, but when I do the world service, my producer will say in my ear, just 60 million people listening. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> no pressure. Okay, that, see, that doesn't you don't need friends me. like that, Caroline. You do not need friends like that. That, that doesn't worry me, but um, being in a, in a room with just a few people or, yeah, I, I, I have no confidence whatsoever. So, yeah, listening back, <laughs> can't do it. And obviously, it's, well, well, it's amazing to get someone like you on, for people to hear it from your perspective, um, as someone that's got so far in their career. But, What's the, the worst feedback and the best feedback you've ever been given? Don't go looking for it. Either end of the scale. Really? Don't go looking for it. I don't have um, my notifications on, on Twitter, for example. I just, you just can't. The people I listen to and I trust, uh, Sarah, 
if people you work with and you know in yourself, I'm sure Emma, you, I'm not sure you have, but there might be a moment <laughs> where you've been broadcasting, you thought that that wasn't right or I didn't do that or I didn't most do weeks. that better. <laughs> no, no, but that it's important that you, you have those, we're always learning, right? And when people say to me about, oh, I don't know whether to go and do that work experience or I don't know whether to go and do that job, you should always try and val- find value in anything you do. Don't look as money as value. By value, I mean try and do something different. Try and do something that gives you that fear. Try and do something that's, that will challenge you and try and do something that will improve you in whatever way it might be. It might be, when we went out to Australia, we met some brilliant people and those commentators, even though we were on the wind-up, I still talk to them and they're great human beings and we meet wonderful people every day of our lives. Maybe not so much at the moment, maybe through the window or however it <laughs> might be maybe communicating on technology and you find value in that all the time. So don't go looking for the negative. Don't go looking for the positive, but trust the people around you. Trust the great producers that you meet, the, the great cameramen, lighting, whatever it might be, the, the great pundits that you work with, the wonderful people that, that are part of that because they know their sport. They know what they're talking about and I trust their opinions too. So don't go searching for it, but you know in yourself when, when you've done something wrong and it is healthy still to have a debrief after everything. Definitely. And before we let you go with that in mind, what one bit of advice would you, (laughs) (laughs) we're keeping you here. Um, What one bit of advice would you give to anybody who aspires to have your kind of career? Find that one thing that's your, I don't want to say brand, but I'm saying brand. But what's your one thing? What's your one thing that you are passionate about, that you are knowledgeable about, that you can talk from the heart about and then go and do that? There is no excuse. We're broadcasting on our phones right now. Oh, some of us are very flashy. (laughs) (laughs) Just to make our voices sound better. (laughs) But you can do it from your phone and it's, it's free if you've got the right data package. But you can go and film yourself. I know it's this great, guy and then Lee said kid but he's growing up since the first time I met him Max Hayes and he he loves Nottingham Forest so he went out with his phone and his dad um I think he might have been 12 at the time and he said to the club oh can I interview some of the players and now match day with Max he is it's kind of the go-to thing he does interviews with players and he talks passionately about them he's now got a gig on the BBC He's booting me out. And that's all because he's talking from the heart about something that he knows. You can get found out. You can do all the research in in the world and be prepared for absolutely everything so that you you don't get found out in that respect. But love what you do. Enjoy the preparation as much as they're talking to you right now. And sometimes, every day, and I try and do this when I walk into a venue, when I walk into the BBC, when I go to Sky – is do that little thing. There's going to be moments when you're knackered, right? There's going to be moments when you're thinking, I'm not up for this today. When mental health-wise, maybe you're not feeling it in that room. But if you can do that one thing where you stick your feet on the ground, you think, those doors I'm about to walk into, that's Old Trafford, or that's the Copper Box, or that's the Sky Studios, or that's knocking on someone's door who's going to tell me about how they started out in sport. And I'm going to have a conversation with someone that I've not had before. If you can root yourself in that moment and be part of that moment, then everything else will follow. Oh my word, Caroline. That's amazing. Do you know what? Did you I'm know going like to I was take that off the auto cue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take those fabulous words of wisdom and share them with my daughter because she's done a media degree. And she doesn't want to do what you do. She doesn't want to be in front of the, the camera and think she's got... I didn't, Max. 
did, did you not no. no i just wanted to tell stories yeah don't chase fame either don't don't you know it's about finding something that you can do to tell a story and that might be by the way you hold a camera it might be by the way you write a script it might be the way you talk about it but it's fine i'm going to share those words with her Okay, if you do, can you tell her I like Cadbury's whole nut? <laughs> I can still post them. Leave it with me. Right. Caroline Barker, you have been incredible. Thank you nah. so much for jumping on Netball Nation having a chat. Oh, what have you got for us? I was oh. just trying to find that photo I took of Sarah. Oh, oh. get it out. <laughs> Present it to the photos Knocking about we I was half your expected. contributions. I thought your screen was going to go dark then, Sarah. I thought you were going to leave us. <laughs> yeah. Does um, your screen do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Caroline, thank you so, so much. Genuinely, that's been so insightful. So thank you. Best of luck painting your sofa, and hopefully we'll speak yeah, to you again. Fingers too. crossed. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. It might be a bit tacky to start with. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is, if you come around and sit on it, you go away with the extra gift of your bottom being painted. Too, right? <laughs> <laughs> what could you want? We're, we'll look forward to yellow bums. Thank you. Take Thank care, you Caroline. so much, Caroline. Take care. Bye bye. Super Netball in Australia was due to return last weekend, but due to COVID-19, the season's been postponed until late June, with the league saying it'll make an announcement at the end of May with the details of when it's going to start. Uh, now, there's been reports over the last few days that it could return by early June, with Australia not experiencing uh, as much of a serious spread of the virus as the UK. Sarah, over to you first. What do you make of the possibility of Super Netball returning in a couple of weeks? I mean... If it's safe to do so, then it's really exciting, isn't it? I, I can't see it returning until late June or July, just because of the the leading time some of the teams will need to to be ready. You know, they've they've lost training weeks, they've they've been on lockdown, so I think they'll probably give them May and June to kind of get ready um, because I think it, they're still in phasing out of um, of lockdown as well. So it's not like right, turn around, let's go, lads. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, it is exciting that that league will, will probably get played. Um, and I think everyone's been kind of dying for some netball, so it's good that we'll get to see some. Do you, what do you reckon about uh, fans attending? Do you think that'll be a thing? I, I doubt it. And I think we've, we've spoken about this before in terms of what, what the different priorities are for different leagues. For Super League, the teams really want fans there because that's where they generate the revenue. In Super Netball, they have a big TV deal, so they want to get something played regardless of whether fans are there or not because that's their revenue stream. So I can't imagine fans will be there. Who knows by the time they get to the later rounds whether that might be possible, but I imagine it'll start behind closed doors. How complicated does this whole thing make the international calendar? Well, I, th I think what we've just been discussing earlier, saying that, you know... <laughs> use this time and this opportunity to, to rejig the international calendar. We need those international games to be played. Everybody wants to see them, everybody wants to play them. But if everything gets pushed back, it is going to encroach on the international calendar and games that have to be played. So yeah, it's a really difficult juggling act. Somebody's spinning those plates somewhere, but somebody or all the governing bodies could make it easier for everybody. And I think you look at what was planned for the international calendar and, and set the September-October series were in Australia and New Zealand. At the minute, they're not letting people in. So it, even if it gets played, it might have to be moved. You know, you might have to go to South Africa, potentially come to England, who knows? But I, I, I imagine that's kind of going to come after Super Netball's decision, what they do with, um, with the international calendar. 
Um, and a lot of it, obviously, health first, but a lot of a lot of people are worried financially. One group of people who seem to have come off um, financially better in this situation, we heard Caroline saying it earlier, are the lower paid players. Sarah, what do you make of this? Because we know Stacey was in a bit of a predicament a few weeks back over, she was an overseas player uh, and wasn't receiving support from the government. So how is she? Well, I think what's happened in, in Australia was initially everyone took a 70% pay cut. So if you were a higher paid player, you had a lot less money. But you, yeah. Well, but you, ha- you still had some money. If you were a lower paid player, 70% pay cut took you down to very, very little. So you probably felt it more. Now what's happened is because they've got a kind of furloughing scheme. Um, every player has been guaranteed, I think, $1,500 per fortnight or whatever they get paid. Um, and everyone will will get paid a minimum of 50% of their wage. But it means that, you know, $1,500 is probably much, much more than 50% for the lower paid players. So they're actually better off. Whereas the higher paid players, they're taking a 50% pay cut and much worse off in this scenario. So it's kind of flipped, you know, at the beginning, the lower paid players were probably suffering slightly more. Now your higher paid players are suffering more. Um, and I, I think there's, I mean, there's a little bit of unrest about that, but um, it, it's hard to say what, what the right thing to do is. I think they're kind of cobbling together a plan as, as they go, as everyone else is. Yeah, it's unprecedented times, isn't it? And not everyone can be happy, but they're just, we're trying to strike compromise everywhere. Um, Mags, do you think netball in Australia is feeling the pressure from other sports to return? I don't think they're feeling the pressure. Personally, I don't think they're feeling the pressure. I think they just want to get get it back on the road and get the game played. Um, I think they're seeing that there are other sports talking about coming back and uh, as a consequence, they want to they start up as well. But I don't think they're feeling the pressure. If we're just talking about financial pressure, then yeah, they're feeling that because mm. we've already discussed the fact that finances drive a lot of this. Um, and I worry about the finances driving it more so than the health and safety of the individuals. Um, but I think they just want to get the game back on, back on court, uh, and that's where everybody wants it. Of course they do. And Sarah, as a coach, how do you feel about returning to action? Are you, are you ready and raring for it? Or are you apprehensive? What are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, I think it's the same as everyone. You kind of get to a point where this this sort of new normal you, you almost can't imagine going back to your <laughs> yeah um so i think we're, where we're at, at the minute with it you know in terms of lightning stuff we're kind of now saying we want to be ready either way so we want to be ready if this goes on for we get told on sunday we're going to go into lockdown for another three week, weeks okay we're ready to deal with that likewise if we're told we're going to start loosening restrictions right we're, we're ready to get back but it's, it's a difficult balancing act to, to say, right, everybody, stay ready to play in potentially six weeks' time, but also be ready that our season could be over. Like, that's, that's just a... It's like no man's land, isn't it, yeah. for you? You're sort of stuck in limbo. And it, it, I imagine that's pretty demotivating as well, because you kind of go, what are we working towards? Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it is tough because as athletes, generally you always have a goal. So, you know, you start a season, your goal is to, you know, win the league or, you know, make top four, whatever. And there's always a time limit on that goal. Like by May, we'll know if we're in playoffs. By June, it's the finals, whatever. This, 
the, it's always moving. It's like, oh, we'll find out more in a couple of weeks. And then you, you find out this more and it's just the same. And so it's just a constantly moving situation, which is difficult because athletes like certainty and routine and goals and ticking things off. And none of that is possible during this time. <laughs> No, it's it's true. We are all, we're all just kind of living in this weird limbo land, aren't we? Um, we've heard uh, New Zealand has relaxed, obviously, its social distancing rules. Do you see the ANZ being one of the first sports leagues to return? Because we've got we've, there's been a lot of reports about um, Australia-based rugby players from New Zealand even flying back to Australia uh, to start their training again. Well, I think first, like you know, hats off to the government who were able to lock mm. down their country to start off with, and the actual deaths in New Zealand are remarkably low, so I thank God for that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, why not? If they've relaxed their rules and they feel that it's safe for them to start their sport, I think it will still start off behind closed doors without fans to start off with. But if they're in that position and they're ready to rock and roll, then great, that will be fabulous. Girls, can I just say as well, how grateful are we all going to be like when sport actually does return properly, when we can go and enjoy it <laughs> the way we used to? Do you not think it feels like a distant dream? Yeah, and it yeah. also gives you a reference point for what day it might be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, don't have to do, you don't have to look at your phone or something yeah. to know yeah. what day it is. Or, or, or if you mean you don't have to depend on the weekend tingle to go, yeah. oh, <laughs> it, it, the sport this weekend, yeah. yeah. Um, do you know what? Thank you so, so much for that, girls. We won't keep you much longer because we know that you two have got hectic schedules at the minute. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> have you got any shout outs you'd like to give? Um, just on the back of what happened last week with our girls at, uh, on the Rhinos pathway, they were able to complete their challenge. Uh, I think it was something like 2,100, what was it, 2140 two, uh, kilometres between all the Super League franchises, either running, cycling or what have you, raising money for uh, help, uh, helpers, carers, NHS, and I'm so proud of them. They smashed it. They did Amazing. Run. Good work, good work. And what about you, Sarah? Nope. No, I don't think I have. <laughs> don't think I have. <laughs> Got no mates. Oh. Do nothing. <laughs> um, mm. Do you not want to do a shout out maybe to all the Netball Nation listeners who are listening to us and supporting us through this pandemic? All right, Emma. Yeah, make me feel bad now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Laying it on thick. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> No, generally though, I think we talked about it earlier in terms of like th these kind of shows keeping going um, is really important for, for netball. And I think we've talked previously about the likes of Sasha Corbin, Laura Malcolm, putting content out there. A lot of the Aussie-based girls are doing it now. Stacey's put some stuff out. Joe has. Jay Clark's put some skills out. Staying connected as, as a sort of netball family, I think, is really important. So thank you to everyone that's listened and engages and sends messages and things like that. But also, you know, thanks to the wider netball community for, for keeping positive and for supporting each other through this. Because I think it's, it's shown how supportive the sport is generally. It's not been, I, I want to protect what training I do and I don't want people to see. It's been like, we're all bored, oh, yeah. minimal equipment, yeah. let's show everyone what we can do. Yeah. And I think that's just been a massive positive. All in this together. Now then, girls, I've not forgotten that duet. What are we singing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we'll have, we'll have that to look forward to we'll come next back week. next week with like Ebony and Ivory or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like yes. Shirley. <laughs> well, do you know what? Um, it's been really nice to see inside your living rooms anyway. 
Um, Me too. So thank you for bringing us into our homes. I've got no pictures on my walls, so I look a bit dull and boring by comparison. Uh, before we say to, our, to you from this week's show, here's a reminder of a fab competition that we've got for you. To keep your team netballing with Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK and supported by ASICS, we are giving you the chance to win a pair of professional double F black netball trainers for you and every single member of your team. So that when we're finally back together, uh, you'll all be wearing the shoes and uh, it'll let you be the best on court. We are also going to print ID names to every mm. pair so you don't get them mixed mm. up. Very fancy, very fancy. Uh, uh, to enter this, all you've got to do is go to www.keepnetballing.uk where you can also read all the T's and C's. So get entering now. Now then, thank you so much for listening to Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK, meaning you can hashtag keep netballing from home. Thank you, girls. Thank Thanks, you. Um, See you next week. Sarah. See Take ya. care, guys. Bye. Bye. This is Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK. Shop now at netballuk.co.uk.